Welcome to C-SPAN's Presidential Recordings Podcast, this season focusing on the presidency of Lyndon Johnson. We start on November 27, 1963, five days after John F. Kennedy's death. Now President Johnson went before Congress to console a grieving nation. Mr. Speaker, President, members of the House, members of the Senate, my fellow Americans, all I have I would have given gladly not to be standing here today. The greatest leader of our time has been struck down by the foulest deed of our time. He also made it clear that he would pursue JFK's agenda, and that included a particular bill that faced strong opposition from Southern Democrats. No words are strong enough to express our determination to continue the forward thrust of America that he began. The dream of conquering the vastness of space The dream of partnership across the Atlantic and across the Pacific as well. The dream of the Peace Corps in less developed nations. The dream of education for all of our children. The dream of jobs for all who seek them and need them. The dream of care for our elderly. The dream of an all-out attack on mental illness. And above all, the dream of equal rights for all Americans, whatever their race or color. Coming up, President Johnson's calls about pushing what would become the Civil Rights Act through Congress, its ultimate passage, and the racial violence afterwards. More after this. One of President Johnson's closest advisors in getting the Civil Rights Act passed was President Kennedy's brother and U.S. Attorney General Robert Kennedy. We begin on February 10, 1964. The two men talk about the House of Representatives' vote on the Civil Rights Bill, which was scheduled for that day, and the strategy for getting it passed in the Senate. Chief Congressional aide Larry O'Brien and Senate Majority Leader Mike Mansfield are also mentioned. Bobby. Hi, Mr. President. Congratulations. Yeah, it was very nice, wasn't it? I thought it was wonderful. 290 to 130, you can't do better than that. Uh, I would think that put a lot of pressure on them in the, in the Senate, wouldn't you? Yeah, that, that's it. Now, you get with Larry and, and Mike uh, Mansfield in the morning and work out the uh, procedure. I really think that they ought to put that on the calendar and then take it up the first day they can and uh, then go on debate it a while before we take up our tax conference for it. We might... Uh, might put a little pressure on them that way. Might have a few businessmen, a few withholding people to uh, uh, help us a little bit for yeah. four or five days. I think it would be dramatic anyway. Yeah. You talk to Larry. Yeah. All week, uh, we'll be able to talk to you tomorrow. Yes, sir. Okay. You talk to Larry and Mike Masters in the morning. I told Mike he was in here, and I talked to Larry O'Brien, too, and they both have ideas. You get with them, and then you all agree on it. Whatever you want, I'll be for Well, we'd want Find out. Okay. I'll get back in touch with you after. That'll be good. Thanks. President Johnson and Attorney General Robert Kennedy 
on February 10, 1964, the day the House passed the Civil Rights Act by a vote of 290 to 130. Looking ahead to the bill's Senate prospects, the President and Attorney General Kennedy spoke again on April 23rd to talk about an agreement between Senate Minority Leader Everett Dirksen and Majority Whip Hubert Humphrey on a key part of the bill. Bobby? Hi, Mr. President. I'm sorry to be so late calling you. I hope you didn't wake you up. No, that was fun. We had 6,000 out here tonight, and I just got through shaking hands with some of them. Oh, I saw it on television. It sounded very good. They had a wonderful, had a wonderful meeting. Yeah, I said it was the biggest one they had. That was terrific. Thank you. Uh, I, call, I talked to Bill Moyers, gave him the message. I don't know if it got through to you. No. Uh, we're just on the jury trial amendment. Yeah. And uh, uh, the, you reached a compromise, which I thought would be acceptable to you. Yeah. Uh, doing this for 30 days. Dirksen wanted to attend. President Johnson and Attorney General Robert Kennedy on April 23rd. The two men talked again on May 13th about the bill's progress in the Senate. Hello. Oh, uh, Mr. President? Yes, General. Oh, we had a um, meeting all day today and uh, with Senator Dirksen on the Civil Rights Bill. Good. And uh, appear that we have an agreement with him oh, and with well. Senator Aiken and with Congratulations. 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 Now, what does he think? Do you think he can get the votes, the cloture? Well, he's hopeful. He's going to have to go back, and they're going to have a uh, meeting of the Republicans on Tuesday morning. Did you? Uh, are you in pretty good shape with the the folks that are interested in the bill? Well, we're supposed to meet with them at 4:30. You think that you? Yeah, you know they're not going to be happy, but uh, that nothing makes them happy. Mm-hmm. And well. uh, so we just have to uh, accept well, that. I don't know. They... You did a good job making everybody happy on the House side. Well, you remember we went that? through in that October. They weren't happy when we did it. Yeah, I know it, but uh, they, 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 they saw the wisdom of it yeah, after you did it. After it was over, but Senator Humphrey did a fine job. Well, Senator Dirksen was terrific. You might just uh, should call. I call him? Yes, I think it'd All be right. nice. And Senator, should I give you the name? Senator Saltstall yeah. and Senator Aiken. And right. uh, Phil Hard was damn helpful. Right. And uh, Senator Magnuson, very helpful. 
get the uh, yeah, Dirks. All right, I'm going to Humphrey. Dirks and Sullivan, Stahl, Aiken, Humphrey, and Hart. Yeah, Magnuson. Thank you, Bobby. Bye. President Johnson and Attorney General Robert Kennedy on May 13, 1964. Later that day, the president talked to Senate Republican leader Everett Dirksen. They also mentioned Georgia Democrat Richard Russell. Attorney General said you were very helpful and did an excellent job, and that I, I, ought to, I ought to tell you that I admire you, and I told him I'd done that for some time, well, but I'd, I'd repeat it, and I, I hope you uh, go on and let others uh, get Get, get the folks together and let's do the job. Yeah, well, we set the conferences for next Tuesday morning. Right. And as soon as those are out of the way, we'll then uh, see what we do about procedure to get this thing uh, on the road and buttoned up. I talked to Dick this morning. Uh, he gave me no comfort. I, I said, now, I thought we were going to vote as a Wednesday, meaning uh, yesterday. But... Uh, I said, what are you going to do? Well, he said, you're not going to vote this week because we're going to keep the show going. I said, well, what about next week? I can give you no commitment because we'll have a caucus of our members Monday morning. Well, I said, Dick, we're either going to have to fish or cut bait because I think we've now gone far enough and I think we've been there. Well, you oh, got. Uh, that's about where it stands. You got to. Uh, that's exactly right. That's what you got to do. You got to take care of your own people, and you're doing that. And I saw the other day. Uh, uh, we don't want this to be a Democratic bill. We want it to be an American bill. And well, if these schools right. are out, they're coming out the end of this month. And if they're out, and we haven't got a bill. We're in a hell of shape. Yeah. We're going to be in trouble anyway. Well, we're going but, to. Try. Uh, I saw your exhibit to World Fair, and it said the land of Lincoln. Yeah. So you're worthy of the land of Lincoln. And a man from Illinois is going to going to pass the bill, and I'll see that you get proper attention and credit. President Johnson talking to Senate Republican leader Everett Dirksen on May 13, 1964. A little more than five weeks later, on June 19, 1964, 99 years after the end of the Civil War and coinciding with the celebration of Juneteenth, the Civil Rights Bill passed the Senate by a vote of 73 to 27. The president made plans to kick off the holiday weekend with a White House signing ceremony on July 2nd. That day, the president and Attorney General Kennedy talked about the soon-to-be law's possible consequences. You'll hear mentions of former Florida Governor Leroy Collins and of the Republican National Convention, which is scheduled to start on July 13th in San Francisco. It's signed today. We are going to have a, a rather difficult weekend, uh, a holiday weekend anyway, and uh, whether... But uh, encouraging whether that Friday and Saturday with the 4th of July and firecrackers going off anyway with Negroes running all over the South figuring that they get the day off that they're going to go into every hotel and motel and every restaurant whether if it's possible and again I don't know how far it's gone whether it would be possible to postpone it to Monday and sign it so that it's in the middle of the week the other problem of course is that I've met with Governor Collins this morning he's Really, hasn't, he hasn't got any appropriation. He hasn't got his machinery set up, and so he doesn't. He won't be able to move in in any of these situations. There is an advantage if it, if everything was equal. It's there been a great advantage in signing it at the beginning of the week. But as I say, I don't know whether it's gone so far that we that, uh, feel that it's necessary to sign it today. No, I don't think so. Here with the considerations standard into it, uh, they all announced. Uh, 
And we've got to stop that. You tell your publicity man over there, don't say a damn word about what I'm going to do. Uh, they've been all these stories come out about uh, who I'm talking to in the South and what I'm doing and kind of the thing we discussed, but we didn't carry out. And there's been two or three columns written about it. Well, the House did the same thing on me. They, some of their people up there planned on what the president was going to do. So they all got it pretty well scattered over the country that he was going to wait till July the 4th to sign it so that uh, he'd uh, tie it in with the Declaration of Independence. And that was pretty well accepted and generated all over the country before we could stop it. We never mentioned it, never opened their mouth, never said a word. You know, I so then uh, some of them started uh, coming back and saying, well, that's, that's, that's not fair. It's, uh, uh, the Halleck's and the rest of them who participated in this thing are leaving. And they're going to their convention, and you just want to have it so you'll have Humphrey and one or two of them up there taking all the glory and the people that uh, helped do it. Uh, why, why do you wait? Why don't you go on and do it when they pass it? So I asked them when they thought they'd get through with it, and they said they thought they'd get through by 3 or 4 o'clock. Now they tell me there's some debate that may go on later tonight. I told them that my plan would be to try to sign it as soon as the bill got to me, that I'd already told them how I felt about it. They knew that. There's no point of, uh, of uh, waiting until it's the 4th of July that... Uh, I thought that would just uh, irritate a lot of people and uh, unnecessarily, and then I didn't think we ought to wait two or three days. So that's kind of how we got off the hook on the 4th of July by signing it when it gets to us. Now, when it gets to us, I don't know, but I think it'll be late today. We tentatively told them that we planned to do it today uh, before we heard about this. Boy, I knew you, uh, that you thought it would be better to go over till next week. Now, uh, we could back up on it, but I doubt the wisdom of it if we said that, if the bill gets to us. I see. I see, and I suppose all the Republicans will be going next Yes, week. yes, they, they put tonight. Well, I think we better go ahead. I don't know whether they'll even come or not. I haven't invited them because we don't know what time. I told them get Lee White and Larry O'Brien, put them in charge of the signings, uh, and uh, get in touch with your people and see everybody that ought to be invited. And we try to have it in the East Room around 7 o'clock if the bill's here. If it's not, we'll have it whenever we get the bill. But we're kind of waiting until 2 or 3 o'clock to see what time we, whether the bill has got an hour on the rule and they come in at 12. And if they make them read the record two or three times, well, it may be late. But uh, if we have it, uh, uh, I'd rather have it tonight than to have it Saturday. And if we have it past Saturday, I think they would think that I held it up two or three days till they got out of town because they've been, they've, they questioned, I asked them to stay next week and act on some of these important bills, and they said that wasn't fair play, that I was being unfair to them, and they, and they wouldn't uh, pass civil rights unless I let them go. Well, I never did agree to let them go, but they kind of had an agreement among themselves to pass civil rights and then go. Now, if I held it over, I think they'd say that I was trying to take a little glory away from them on a bipartisan basis, don't you? I see. What do you mean? Because they won't be yeah. here. Yeah. yeah, well, I think that is possible. I do think that that's possible. I think it's important we extend them the invitation okay. at a time when they can come. Yes, I do. Uh, even if they can't come. I don't know. Halleck may go fishing. Yeah. But uh, one of them told me, I've forgotten who it was. I believe Mansfield called up and said that he's going to be in session tonight. He didn't know whether he could come or not. But uh, uh, I believe that we ought to go ahead if, uh, in light of the fact they'll be gone next week. That's fine. I'd like to have a chance to talk to you about the, uh, you know, about Poland. Fine, you can do it around the cabinet, right after the cabinet, right forward today, or you can do it tomorrow, whenever you want. Okay, thanks. President Johnson and Attorney General Robert Kennedy speaking on July 2nd, 1964, ahead of the signing ceremony of the Civil Rights Act. Later that day, the president talked briefly about the ceremony, 
with his press secretary, George Reedy. You heard any more about the signing? Uh, no, sir. I talked to Larry about it, and Larry still seems fairly sanguine about three. He says it might even go earlier. He think it ought to be signed today or put over the weekend? I didn't ask him, sir. Bobby Kennedy called up and said he thought it might cause a lot of violence from south, but I don't think we ought to wait. No, sir. I think it'd be very bad if you waited. It'd look like you're uh, dawdling around just to get a big ceremony or something like that. And I think it'd look like we're waiting until we get out of town, too. Right. I agree. I think it's... Uh, I think you should handle this as uh, an important bill, one that you aren't playing games with. You're having an appropriate ceremony, but you're having it right away because the world has been waiting, uh, this country's been waiting 100 years for it. And uh, there's no sense in playing around with it now and making what a look like a big public relations play. Actually, it will be, of course, but it won't look like it this way. Any other news? Uh, no, sir, it's pretty quiet otherwise. President Johnson talking to White House Press Secretary George Reedy on July 2nd, 1964. Later that day, the president talked with his chief congressional aide, Larry O'Brien. You'll hear them mention NAACP Executive Director Roy Wilkins, House Judiciary Committee Chair Emanuel Seller, and Attorney General Bobby Kennedy. Larry. Yes, Mr. President. Uh, what is our situation on uh, the signing and uh, 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 how... Uh, how are we going to avoid overlooking somebody? Well, uh, first on the signing, they're, uh, they're debating the resolution right now. Uh, they should uh, be able to... Uh, they should vote about 1.30, Claude tells me, 1.35. So that gets... Uh, we're all set on our end. We've gone over these lists very, very carefully. Lists submitted by justice, lists uh, that uh, involve the Negro community. Uh, of course, obviously, the, the appropriate congressional people. Uh, we uh, felt that the format of the tax bill went reasonably well for a large signing ceremony, and there, uh, that uh, we would have the key people that should be gathered around you in the uh, East Room. We would have them properly placed so uh, the appropriate people will have the proper recognition and we won't have the uh, mob scene at elbowing. And, we, we, and you look after the Republicans so we don't get cussed out about that. That's the, that's the major part of the problem, or the, is the Keating-Javits part. Now, uh, Keekle is another story. We thought we'd... Uh, Keekle McCullough. Uh, yeah, that we thought that uh, we would place them, but nevertheless, uh, the Democrats would have the key spots. Now, in addition to that, when, they, uh, when you actually sign the bill and uh, they're seated for your remarks, we're going to have name cards on the first two rows uh, there'll be about 14 or 15 of them key people who will be placed in the seats that we designate the others gather again in seats behind them we may have uh, I I think we've got it geared Mr. President that uh, number one that uh, people that should be at this ceremony that I don't think very honestly we've overlooked anyone that would be key and would feel that someone was invited and if, if he were invited why was the other guy I think we're in good shape that way. And secondly, I think the format that's been established, Claude and Jack have worked on it, and uh, uh, Claude and, and I have talked it over in detail. Just as long as, just as, long as you, you know, you're in charge of it, I feel relieved. I don't right. know anything about it. I just well, want uh, you to run the show, and I know you'll do it right. Uh, I'm taking the responsibility. 
Now, Larry, yeah. be sure you check with Bobby to see that whoever they want can invite him. Yeah, we already checked Justice and had them submit a written list to us. They now, he called in and said that he wanted well to put it off next week, and I said, well, I'd be glad to consider it, but we've... Uh, We've uh, considered it, and I think it'd be pretty bad to uh, wait and sign until Republicans got out of town. They just say that we're a chief bunch of public relations experts. And I talked to Roy Wilkins and some of the Negroes, and they agreed we ought to sign it as soon as we could. Well, you mean Bobby didn't want to sign? Yeah, he said, let's wait till Monday. He said, there might be some trouble Saturday in these southern towns. Oh, but uh, I think that uh, Kiko and McCullough would think you'd really broken faith with the Republicans to wait till they got out of town to have a ceremony. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think this is uh, far, so far down the road that, God, we ought to go forward with this this evening. Uh, you said most of the men be out of town next week if we waited, you know. That's right. Well, you better better bear that in mind when you talk to them. Just tell them that's why we had to go ahead, because you can't let these Republicans think that we're being unfair. No, we've, we've got to go ahead today, my God. And even some of our Democratic friends, Manny Sellers, called me twice this morning. Guys, you know, these fellows, they want to be part of this. They, uh, they just anticipate that uh, we've given them no specific time at the moment. We will be giving it to them shortly. And they just anticipate they're going to be in town here for a ceremony later this evening at some hour in the relative early evening. And, God, I think if we just started uh, talking about next week or something like that, we're, you, you'd be accused of all kinds of things. Okay, thank you. Okay. President Johnson and his chief congressional aide, Larry O'Brien, on July 2nd, 1964, the day the president signed the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Following the White House signing ceremony, the president traveled to his ranch near Stonewall, Texas, to spend the holiday weekend. On July 3rd, he got a call from Robert Kennedy. It was the first of several conversations the two men had that weekend. They talked about the reaction to the bill's signing, with mentions of Democratic Governors Paul Johnson of Mississippi, George Wallace of Alabama, and Georgia Democratic Senator Richard Russell. The wires are good. The, uh, uh, we got about uh, 20% of them were from the South and were friendly. We got some... Uh, unfriendly one. It runs about 70-50. I don't tell that figure to anybody, but I don't give it out, but just for you. And uh, we we like the ones from the South. I'm going to call, I thought I might call the governor of Mississippi just to carry through today what we'd already started, not let him think we'd forgotten him, and then call. Now, he's sending his representative up here, and he's going to be here at 3 o'clock this afternoon. That's the first point. The second point is he call, did call for non-compliance in the state. What do you say? Resisted? That it should be tested and that we shouldn't uh, we didn't have to comply until it was tested in the court. Mm, well, that's, so, uh, that's, that's bad. Yeah. And the only thing is that we just, just stress that uh, I suppose it, even view of that that, uh, that uh, the, we want law and order and that uh, when it is tested in the court and it is uh, declared uh, we'll all abide by the decision if he makes sure that he uh, gives some support to it then. And in the meantime, that uh, we don't have uh, disorder or violence of any kind in the state. Uh, you do that at least. I think it's too far to go back on the other, but at least uh, ask him to do that for the future. Any others call for non-compliance? No. I think that's the only one. I don't think uh, the governor of Alabama has said anything, but I'm sure he'll say something similar to that. But it's been uh, relatively common for the first time in Jackson, Mississippi. They've got them, some of the Negroes and whites sitting down and talking over some of the problems. Some of the people have been down there now. 
things. I don't think we could expect anything much different from the governor. I'm even sure they went to him and asked him, and if he said, got to comply with the law, I'm sure it would be very difficult for him. But if he now keeps stressing law and order, number one, and number two, the fact that when a court decision does come down, that they have to abide, abide by the law and prepare people for that, that would be helpful. President Johnson and Attorney General Robert Kennedy on July 3, 1964. The two men talked again on July 4th about resistance to the new law from some Southern governors. You'll hear them mention George Wallace of Alabama and Donald Russell of South Carolina. Also mentioned are Commerce Secretary Luther Hodges and former Florida Governor Leroy Collins, who had become the administration's new point man on the civil rights law. Hello? Hi, General. How are you? Fine. Did you have a good day? How's Texas? Pretty hot. Listen, we had a good day. Good. Uh, and I think the most significant thing is that the uh, Chamber of Commerce of uh, Jackson, Mississippi, voted last night uh, to abide by the law. Good. And uh, I think there was one dissent out of 16, you know, 16 to 1. That's wonderful. Yeah, and that's beyond uh, Savannah, Atlanta, and all of these other cities went along. Birmingham, Montgomery, a lot of the cities went along very, very well. All the newspapers spent all day interviewing Johnson City motels. Oh, really? <laughs> they got the right answers, too. Oh, that's good. But it's been very good. Well, that's very, good. Very, good. I mean, you know, all the work I think that's been done the last two months really paid off. Well, that's good. And uh, so I think it's most encouraging. Well, that's fine. How about when are you going home? Sunday? Yeah, Sunday. The uh, one uh, uh, problem, and I think yeah, I understand you've done something on it, is the governor of South Carolina, you know, about seeing Governor Collins and Hodges. But, uh, you know, he, uh, Wallace said he wouldn't see them. No, no, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, you know, they sent telegrams to all these people. First place, I think the problem is if we could coordinate what we're doing out of there, I think it's helpful because it puts uh, some of these governors in a tough spot where, uh, you know, I think maybe some of, the, some of them we could feel out first. Yeah. Like Russell's a good man in South Carolina. And what did he do? Well, uh, Wallace said that he wouldn't see them. And then Russell said, and he put the telegram out that he wouldn't see them. Uh, Wallace said he wouldn't uh, wouldn't see uh, uh, Collins and uh, Hodges. All right, now what about Russell? Russell wrote, uh, sent them a telegram saying that he wouldn't see them, but he didn't put it out. Now, if we could just, uh, if there was some way that we could get that so that we don't have put Russell in the, in the uh, Sanders and Georgia said he would see them, but if we could get Russell just to say uh, that he, you know, out of courtesy he'd see them, he doesn't have to agree to see them. But I think if we could isolate. Wallace, and it would be very helpful. Yeah. I, had, I had understood that uh, they had brought that to your attention. No, no, I haven't heard from them. Oh, them, them, them told me I haven't heard a word on it. Oh, well, that's good. I, they told me that they were already aware of it and were working on it. No, no. I think if we just, if somebody, if Russell's a good man, and, uh, and uh, if, if just as long as we, he understands it would be harmful if the telegram got out and, uh, and uh, they, they don't have to come down and see him now. Maybe they can see him later on. But just so that it wasn't publicized that he was in the same category as Wallace, that would be very helpful. Did uh, did they contact all 11 governors? Yes, they did. And two of them said they wouldn't? Well, you see, I don't know. I just All I know is that uh, Russell and Wallace said, yeah. and I know Sanders said that he would. Yeah. But I haven't heard on the others. Yeah. But I think on the, for the future that, they, uh, that it would be well if, uh, if you know, they work with somebody in the White House who all those southern governors so that they could feel them out before they sent the telegram. Yeah. Yeah, so that we make sure that nobody gets uh, you know, 
some of them it's politically it's difficult. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I know that. And we want to make sure that... I'll talk to Hodges about it tomorrow. Yeah. But otherwise, this thing has been very good. Fine. Well, I'm sure glad to hear it, and uh, I hope you have a good uh, 4th, and I'll see you Monday. From July 4th, 1964, President Johnson and Attorney General Robert Kennedy. Two days later, on July 6th, the two men talked about options for enforcing the new law and the June 21st disappearance of three young civil rights workers in Mississippi. Oh, Mr. President? Yeah. How are you? Uh, uh, just uh, reporting that it all went easily today and there weren't really any problems. Good. Uh, I had a meeting with the people on the, on the alcoholic tax unit and the other people we discussed. They can handle the an increased activity down there without any real problem. And uh, they've had saturation investigations in other states, so it would be a natural course to follow. And they understand, uh, I think, the delicacy of it. They're good people, and our people that have been down there think that they could be very helpful. So we're going to head with that. You mean uh, uh, internal revenue? And the alcoholic tax unit. I, wouldn't, I, I don't want to use those internal revenue. I'm afraid of that, Bobby. Well, uh, the alcoholic tax unit, really, people are the major ones. I think that the internal revenue just means, uh, I don't think it means more than a handful. Yeah, I don't want to use any of them in there. I just, uh, I, I think that that has possibilities of really boomeranging on us. And uh, I'd rather use more FBI people, as I said the other day. You don't have any objection to the ATU, I expect. Well, I don't really know what they do. Uh, what uh, well, they, uh, What is their function now, and what would it be if we sent them? Moonshiners, basically. And uh, the uh, operation down there is illegal, and uh, a number of the law enforcement people who are permitted to operate uh, are also involved in uh, Klan activities. And uh, they are a very good source of intelligence. They're the best source. Most of them are Mississippians, so that they're sympathetic down there, but under the right direction, they could be a big help as uh, getting information if there's going to be a problem. I, I'm just thinking of... Uh, really, the alternative courses that uh, might be open to us, and whatever we can do to prevent uh, having to send either marshals or troops into that state uh, would be damn helpful, in my judgment. And I think uh, you know the situation is going to get worse, and, and the, the choice really between this is an intermediate step between doing really nothing uh, versus. Uh, Have any problem about having the same kind of investigation in this other state? Uh, 
From July 6, 1964, President Johnson speaking to Attorney General Robert Kennedy. The two men spoke again a week later about the violence in the South following the bill becoming law. They mentioned Democratic Georgia Governor Carl Sanders and his reaction to the death of Lemuel Penn in Madison County, Georgia. Lemuel Penn was the assistant superintendent of Washington, D.C. public schools. He was also a decorated veteran of World War II and a U.S. Army Reserve lieutenant colonel. He was murdered by three KKK members nine days after the Civil Rights Act passage, on his way back to Washington, D.C., from Fort Benning, Georgia. The president and attorney general also talked about a body found in Mississippi and the recent disappearances of three young civil rights workers in that state. Do you, you got any suggestions on anything we ought to be doing further in Georgia? No, I don't immediately. That's a dastardly thing. Terrible, wasn't it? Uh, but it just shows it, that, as I understand it, uh, it was the second or third time this had happened. Yeah. Others hadn't reported. Yeah. That was an excellent statement by Carl. Did you? Yeah, did you, good. I tried to call him, and I guess you talked to him. Yeah, I did. Did you see him on television? No, I did not. Oh, it was exceptional. He's that awfully was, good, isn't he? Yeah, it couldn't have been better. Couldn't have been better. Now, what about uh, Florida? Uh, I mean, uh, uh, the Mississippi thing. Did you see where they got part of a body down yeah. there? Yeah, evidently you, it's not. Uh, uh, I just seen the papers and then I had some contact with it, but evidently it's not any of the three. Oh, it's not. Well, I, I got the impression the only paper that probably was. Yeah, uh, but uh, they, uh, I had heard uh, that they've at least eliminated two, and they think they've eliminated the third. Hmm. Um, uh, so I think that uh, One I think, uh, we should uh, uh, keep those families advised, because I think it's awful tough on them. They keep reading about this stuff in the paper and uh, that they Tell Bert Marshall if there's anything that he thinks I ought to do it in time for you to get to get a memo to you, you get it over here to me so I'll know. Yeah. Now, one thing that I wanted to check with you before we did it, they tell me that 
that we're getting in this list of, uh, there's about 40 of them turned us down on this advisory committee. I think before we, uh, I don't know how to really run that out. I'd hate to name somebody bad on that committee. Uh, should we run those through the FBI? You think I ought to run them through Robert Marshall or what? Well, I think if we could uh, uh, run any of the questionable ones through the FBI. Well, how do you know who's questionable? Well, I mean, if the president of a company or head of a labor union or a distinguished citizen, one of those communities, I think we can be. All right. But, I mean, somebody that nobody knows about, I think maybe we should run through the FBI. At this point, the only one that we lost in Texas, that's the only one I watched. They had 14, and Price Daniel turned us down. The only one that regretted Oh, that's too bad. Are there any others that uh, were surprising? Yes, I know. I didn't look the list. They said there's 40 turned us down. I thought that's more than ought to turn the president down on a wire. Yeah. About 300. Of course, it's often, you know, it's an awfully controversial and sometimes yes, yes, difficult yes, thing yes, for yes. some of these people. That's right, locally. But the ones that they picked in our state were mostly the people that you'd already had out in front, like uh, Harry Aiken and the Western man in Austin and like Sam Bloom up in Dallas and folks like that. Okay, that's all I want to do. I want you to, uh, I want you to call me or have Burke Marshall call me on any bases I ought to touch. I don't want to get caught behind. I don't know anything. Can I? Can I? Uh, could you give us a hand with the uh, bureau? Yeah, here it is. Think, thing I, can, me, I think that if you tell them to keep us advised, because most of the stuff now we get, we read in the papers. About. Well, that's what I do. Uh, they. Uh, well, if uh, it's the body, we just uh, hell. We don't know. We we haven't found out. And then I think also we should find out. Uh, I sent uh, Hoover a memo today that about to find out the conversations with Johnson and whether it puts his assessment of what is going to be done in uh, Mississippi by Johnson. And All whether, right. uh, you know, when the school opened up, it just concerns me about the fact that the school opens up in the middle of that uh, convention. Uh, you know, That might be a good thing for me to do is to, uh, is to call him and keep notes on what I say and ask him to prepare me a memo. He hadn't prepared me a memo or, or told me any of these things and, and, and uh, it informed me and, and, and uh, the Department of Justice simultaneously or something like that. Yes, I, you know, I think it's good for all of us to know, but I think that... Uh, all I know is the details of it. He's never mentioned what he said to Governor. The Governor said to me, but I saw in the paper, but it sounded like to me that uh, he got along with the Governor yeah. fine. I was a little disturbed at the New York Times report this morning and said that... Uh, uh, indicated that uh, he got along with him too well. Well, the yeah. Halverson or whatever it was uh, indicated that uh, he was kind of a racist himself, and uh, I had uh, I had hoped that we could use him as our agent. Yeah, I think if we can keep in touch with that fellow, that's a damn big plus up. I think. Well, I'll just do that, and if you'll, I'll, I'll get him that uh, request to the end of the day, and uh, uh, you watch it. If you don't hear from it, don't hear from it tomorrow. Next day, call me. From July 13, 1964, President Johnson and Attorney General Robert Kennedy. The Lyndon B. Johnson Presidential Library and Foundation, along with the University of Virginia's Miller Center, have more conversations from the Johnson presidency. You can find it at lbjtapes.org. On the next episode of C-SPAN's Presidential Recordings, President Johnson and the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Please follow this podcast so you never miss an episode.